Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think I just wanted to enter the market and start, you know, getting a foot in the door in the property market so i i could you know start leveraging i knew that it was the stepping stones to you know creating something bigger for myself this is property investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories mindset and strategies I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode of Property Investory, we're speaking with Jack Freestone, the founder of Buyers Collective. Parental divorce, a share house and leaving at the young age of 17, Freestone shows us anything is possible. Now, he has five properties in his portfolio and a company to his name, inspiring fellow investors along the way. Growing up with a skateboard in one hand and a paintbrush in the other, Jack Freestone rolled his way from childhood filled with renovating experience to fully-fledged property management. Eager to share his words of wisdom, he gets straight into introducing himself and he shares a little overview of what his average day might look like. I basically am the, the founder of a company called Buyers Collective. We're a property buyers agency uh, based in Brisbane and we service uh, the inner city within a 10 kilometer radius and we also have uh, buyers agents on the Gold Coast and down in Byron Bay servicing those locations as well. Typical day, I wake up, I usually go for a run along the river, uh, do a bit of a workout, come back, cold shower, coffee and uh, get stuck into uh, you know the top priority things that I've got to attend to as a business owner. Uh, emails, calls, uh, clients, and um, basically to-do list for for the day uh, with property inspections and you know other other checks on the market. Uh, you know that's sort of my my day in a nutshell. And at the end of the day, I usually uh, journal and, and reflect on uh, the, the small wins of the day and you know what I've got to prepare for for the following day. This practice of self-reflection is one Freestone encourages listeners to pick up. Thankfully, he shares how he got into it himself. Basically, just through listening to, to different podcasts, reading books, um, you know, different people that were, you know, business owners or, or successful uh, in their own right. So, you know, I just figured, um, you know, success leaves clues. And um, if you want to, you know, be successful and, you know, be a little bit different than the everyday person, you've got to start, you know, picking up habits that aren't uh, what everyone does every single day. So, yeah, and I feel like I'm a lot more productive. I've got a lot more energy, and and you know, it's you have to be very careful with your time management uh, as a business owner. While many who are interested in property found it as an unexpected turn in life, 
Freestone was raised on the property path. Yeah, so I grew up in Byron Bay, a little beachside uh, town. I'm sure most people know where Byron Bay is on the east coast here. So um, that's where I grew up for most of my life. I uh, grew up on a lifestyle property there with my family. Uh, My parents were into property and uh, my mother actually did a lot of uh, property developments and, you know, renovations and um, I just sort of picked up from from that as well. She obviously influenced a a bit uh, on my life. So I started off with purchasing my my first property when I it was just before my twenty first birthday. Actually, everyone was telling me, you know, don't do it, Jack. There's a housing uh, bubble. You know, the market's going to crash. You know, it's not a good thing to do. And I had to sort of block out all that white noise and um, dive in and and purchase my first property. And uh, I've held that property ever since and just had long-term tenants in it. I haven't actually made any improvements to the property yet. And um, it's, it's basically tripled in, in value since uh, that, first, that first purchase, yeah. With an active childhood peppered with random hobbies, a multitude of sports and a move to Bali, Freestone managed to start up several successful and surprisingly varied businesses early on. I was really active as a, as a young boy. Um, you know, we had motorbikes, um, you know, four-wheelers and running around on, you know, a bit of a farm life sort of scenario. Uh, I did play, you know, a little bit of football and soccer and uh, all those, you know, different things that you try out when you're a kid, um, surfing, skateboarding all those sorts of things you know it's a bit more heavy on the skateboarding side of things and, and the surfboard surfboarding as, as a young guy um, but then you know I, I moved out of home at a very young age and um, and started uh, you know living in Melbourne I moved down to Melbourne when I was about 17 and uh, lived out of home and and uh, lived with some friends down there and worked in you know various different jobs and in sales and um, and then I actually eventually moved to Bali and I ended up living in Bali for about five years and uh, started a few businesses over there, a few successful cafes and invested in a hostel and uh, an IV company as well. And um, yeah, you know, I spent five years over there. I had a, my ex-partner at the time and um, moved back over a couple of years before COVID and um and started living in melbourne for probably another 12 months before i went over to new zealand uh, where my mum's side of the family is and um basically i wasn't sure what i wanted to do but i just knew i didn't want to work for anyone i sort of sold out of a lot of my businesses uh, that i had in bali and i was in new zealand just visiting family and i met this couple and i was always interested in property and property development and um, I just didn't really know enough about it. So when I was over there, I had a lot of free time and I just started teaching myself about it and learning self, you know, self-education through online podcasts, Google. And um, eventually I met this couple and they wanted to jump into property, but they didn't know how. And um, we sort of formed a relationship and I presented them with an opportunity to subdivide and move two old houses onto uh, this two separate blocks of land and uh, renovate them and, and on-sell them. And that was a really successful uh, development and um, we just sort of kept going from there doing renovations and, you know, small-scale subdivisions, one into fours, 
townhouses, new builds, and had other investors ended up joining. And, you know, I ended up spending a few, fair few years over there doing that uh, and throughout the COVID period as well. And uh, that was really great, really successful. Had a, you know, a great time doing that over there. And um, when, you know, things started to get, you know, a bit more crazy with the whole COVID lockdowns and the borders were closing over here and, you know, family and friends were, you know, sort of asking me to come back and, you know, I decided to come back over and ended up buying a a house on the Gold Coast and uh, one down near Byron Bay as well. And they were just other renovation projects uh, that I ended up doing. And then, you know, everything sort of calmed down. For Freestone, it was second nature to dive into renovation. Growing up, Freestone found himself nudged headfirst into property. As kids do, you know, you pick up a paintbrush or, you you know, you might be moving bricks or, you know, cutting the, the wheelbarrow and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely helping out in that sort of regard. It was always, um, you know, being sort of pushed on me at the, that young age because you're constantly around it and you're seeing it all the time and, you know, you might not be learning it to... Uh, the same degree as if you're an older uh, person or you know a much more mature adult uh, but you know those those little things still touch on you on on your memory and you know plant little seeds and so then as I got older you know those things I would remember and understand and obviously still have uh, further advice from my mother as you know I entered the game as well but yeah it's actually funny. My mum actually was doing lots of renovations and developments, but we never actually did any together for, for many years. Um, I just worked with other investors and uh, she just sort of, you know, advised from, from an outside point. Sharing specifics, Freestone tells us more about exactly what he was involved in in his youth. Navigating the dynamic of divorced parents, he discloses the reasons behind his move from Byron Bay and the unexpected silver linings along the way. My parents split up when I was, I think, about eight years old. And um, so, you know, it was sort of, you spend 50% of the time with my father and, you know, the other bit of the time with my mother. So you backwards and forwards a lot. Um, And then basically, I just wasn't very keen on school. I was a little bit rebellious, didn't like authority and stuff like that. And um, I... I'd already moved out of home, I think, when I was about the age of 15 and um, I was living in sort of like a share house in in Byron Bay uh, with a couple of other people and um, my mother ended up renting out her property and travelling overseas with her new partner and, you know, I was just sort of out and fending for myself, still going to school and doing all the rest of it but when it came uh, to the end of year 10, I just decided to um, not continue. Thankfully, Freestone found himself developing an invaluable skill, independence. I feel like that was just sort of what I wanted. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really enjoy sitting in a classroom, just filling out, you know, paperwork. I wasn't really that type of kid. I, I really liked being out and, you know, I learned a lot better doing the actual tasks and um, that's just sort of how my brain works. So being hands-on is my thing and I just knew that I had to to try different stuff and get out there in the in the world and try different jobs and and find out what I actually enjoy doing. Unfortunately, the price of independence is a hefty one, literally. While things began looking up after his move, his journey was not finished. There in Melbourne, Freestone landed his first full-time job. 
most of the time I, I was working like other jobs, like odd jobs here and there and, you know, being a dishy or uh, working at a, a restaurant or, you know, doing hard labour work uh, for people that I knew, things like that. Obviously, you get a bit of government support as well at that age and uh, that's just sort of, yeah, how I survived for, for the time being until I ended up moving to Melbourne and working full-time. So I actually worked as uh, an energy broker so basically, um, you know, providing people with, um, you know, energy prices when it came to uh, electricity and gas uh, and stuff like that. So that was my first uh, sales role. And was that sort of in a more of a corporate setting or did you actually go on site and out and about? It was more of a corporate setting. Yeah. Yeah. So like in an office uh, with other people, you know, all day, every day sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did you do that for? Oh, I think I did that for maybe two or three years. Yeah. Ended up yeah, managing a, a small sales team there at a very young age as well. And that's sort of how I was able to, to save up a bit of money and, um, and have serviceability to buy my first house before my 21st birthday. Yeah. While many young people at his age found themselves browsing car sales or scavenging for flight deals to Fiji at the time, Freestone was determined to buy his first property. I think I just wanted to enter the market and, and start, you know, getting a foot in the door in the property market so I, I could, you know, start leveraging. I knew that it was the stepping stones to, you know, creating something bigger for myself. And um, I knew that if I didn't do it then, you know, it would be many years until I really did do it, I think, because I was already planning on going traveling and you know, going and seeing the world. And, and that's what I did after I purchased the property. I ended up going overseas and, you know, traveling Europe and all the rest of it for, for quite a while. So I feel like I just needed to get it out of the way. And yeah, it's definitely a good choice. Of course, we can't be all work and no play. Blessed with traveled all around the world, Freestone is keen to share some exciting worldly stories. Bali uh, was the first stop and... From there, I sort of traveled uh, outside of Bali to Europe and, and those different locations. So, yeah, uh, the reason I went to Bali is because I met a girl and uh, she lived there uh, with her with her family from a very young age. And um, we basically ended up starting a cafe over there and uh, the cafe was really successful. And we ended up opening uh, a second location, which was also uh, a really good success. And that's when I sort of started investing in other businesses. And um, from there, I traveled, went to Europe, different places in Europe, like you know, London. Uh, I went to Italy, uh, Paris, Amsterdam, you know, all the, 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 the usual spots that people go to, uh, Greece. Yeah, yeah, Rome, all those sort of locations. Obviously done a, a quite a fair bit of uh, Southeast Asia as well like Thailand and all the islands off there and Malaysia and Singapore and yeah. So you've kind of pretty much done the trek around Southeast Asia and mostly Europe as well, which is really cool. Yeah, a little bit of South America as well, yeah. How long did you travel for, do you, do you recall? Um, it was like on and off like small stints for like a few months and then come back and then go again, you know, later on in the year for a few more months. Coming up after the break, Freestar admits the hardships of a new business. I had never run a cafe as such. My 
my mum had a, a raw food business in Byron Bay that you know I knew a, a bit about and and how that sort of functioned, but no, I'd never personally run a, run a business like that. How he managed to think on his feet and learn on the job? It was really a deep dive because the business did just kick off um, really fast, so we had to learn everything quite quickly. It was. It sort of just turned into a 24-7 job. The choice to finally move back home despite everything? I wasn't actually planning to come back. Uh, me and my partner split up. We went our, our separate ways and um, I, I was staying there for quite a while because I still had the other businesses. And then um, I just sort of, you know, wanted to come back and see family, come back and visit and all the rest of it. And I just decided uh, it was time to come home. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. It is a well-known fact that cafes don't run themselves. Somebody has to serve the coffee, make the sandwiches, etc, etc. Unfortunately, as one cannot run the cafe in Australia while they are on holiday in Bali, Freestone explains how he balanced staying on a holiday and managing his businesses. I wasn't, we weren't really uh, a hands-on management in that sort of regard, like obviously doing all the operations and managing everything. We ended up getting, I think about 50 uh, different staff members under us. Uh, So we had it pretty organized and it grew so quickly. Uh, But that's, yeah, we only were able to take off maybe three, four weeks at a time, but we would sort of coordinate that and hire other expats that were on the island that had uh, cafe management experience that would sort of manage the the whole, you know, business while we were away. I'd never run a cafe as such. My my mum had a, a raw food business in Byron Bay that, you know, I knew a, a bit about and, and how that sort of functioned, but... No, I'd never personally run a, run a business like that. Of all the businesses to choose, a cafe is certainly an interesting choice. Freestone shares the reasons behind his decision. The culture over there, that we just found that um, there wasn't really some, a place that you could go that did really, really good Australian sort of breakfast. And then it was still at the time where the whole vegan and vegetarian sort of movement was really, you know, kicking off. So we decided to just go vegetarian and um, not really brand it like that so much. We just called it Cafe Organic Bali. And um, that just, you know, sometimes people wouldn't know if it was just vegetarian or not, but we made it in in such a way that it didn't really bother the meat eaters uh, that it was all vegetarian. And then, you know, all the Instagram girls would come and they would sort of promote it on their uh, stories and stuff like that. And that's sort of how it kicked off. It's about five or six years. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite a while. I learned lots of good stories, uh, lots of business um, lessons as well. How to run a business, what 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 not to do, what to do. Uh, things over there in Bali do run a lot differently than than how it does work here in the in the West. Um, but yeah, great lessons. Learning how to manage staff and you know processes and systems and you know. It was really a deep dive because the business did just kick off um, really fast, so we had to learn everything quite quickly. It was, it sort of just turned into a twenty four seven job um, a lot of the time. 
I mean, did you enjoy it? That's the thing because sometimes people buy themselves into a, a business end up becoming the job again. It was a little bit like that, but, you know, we were so young and passionate and, um, you know, it was just really fun and exciting at the time. Obviously, very stressful at the same time with a, a young business growing so quickly and as, you know, young 20-year-olds, you didn't really know the ins and outs of everything and how to do everything correctly, but yeah. Alas, Freestone could not travel forever. Having spent five plus years away, he decided it was finally time to come back home. Well, I wasn't actually planning to come back. Uh, me and my partner split up. We went our, our separate ways and um, I, I was staying there for quite a while because I still had the other businesses. And then um, I just sort of, you know, wanted to come back and see family, I'd come back and visit and all the rest of it. And I just decided uh, it was time to come home and I came back to Melbourne. And um, yeah, as I said before, I started living in Melbourne for about 12 months. I started, I actually went into to finance and started um, working with uh, different companies in regards to the Australian stock market, um, helping, you know, clientele trade uh, different stocks or currency and things like that wow that's very interesting it's a com completely different career path there <laughs> yeah yeah very different uh but it was exciting the, but the stock markets are a very um you know high uh high paced fast paced sort of industry uh, people make a lot of money people lose a lot of money and um yeah after after doing that for about i think it was 12 to 24 months i um decided to to go to New Zealand. My mum's actually originally from uh, the North Island in New Zealand and all of her side of the family is over there. So I just went over to, to visit them and, you know, you know, catch up and yeah, that was about it. Purchasing one first property at 21 is certainly a phenomenal feat. For Freestone, it did not end there. With already five properties in his portfolio, Freestone shares invaluable advice on growing your assets. So the first property I purchased uh, was uh, in a little beachside suburb near Byron Bay. I haven't actually done any, you know, structural or, you know, cosmetic renovations to the property at all. I've just had long-term tenants in place ever since I purchased it. You know, planted a few trees and done the gardens and stuff like that. But yeah, that's about it. It's grown in, in value uh, equity-wise, yeah, quite considerably, um, more than three times what its original purchase price was. So I've been able, lucky enough to, to be able to leverage that property and purchase additional houses from that and uh, to, to grow a, a property portfolio. At the beginning of this year, I had uh, up to five properties in my portfolio and I have been selling some off um, to free up cash flow and, um, you know, make a, a different sort of move here in the in the Brisbane market. A lot of my properties were down towards uh, Byron Bay and uh, on the Gold Coast as well. Naturally, no journey is without its challenges. Freestone shares some of his challenging moments and the words of wisdom he has developed as a result. Yeah, there's been lots of learning lessons uh, throughout my property journey. Uh, basically, you know, I have pretty much all, all of my property on variable uh, rates, um, you know, which is really good when interest rates are low. Interest rates have recently gone up quite considerably. Holding those properties, um, you know, on variable uh, has, you know, cost quite a lot to, to maintain throughout the, the high interest rate environment. 
though you know as long as you prepare for those sort of occasions then you can weather the storm until you know things settle but yeah like i've done many different things along my property journey throughout developments um i brought a few um, townhouses off the plan and um it was with small but considerable deposits um and the idea was to on sell these uh townhouses before they were complete shortly after securing them uh, was when basically we had uh, extraordinary floods uh, over most of the gold coast uh, brisbane and byron bay so the market took a, a, a pretty big uh, turn you know people were sort of afraid they weren't flood affected and they were out of the flood zone but lots of the areas around them in different locations you know people just had cold feet after that and then shortly after that interest rates started rising uh, so it was uh, quite difficult to, to offload those properties but I had them under contract uh, with new buyers prior to the to the floods happening and I had around uh, 350,000 profit on each um, prior prior to the floods and then the floods happened and then the contracts fell over uh, and then, yeah, I just came out breaking even on, on those ones, uh, which was a pretty good learning lesson. But, you know, no one can sort of predict a natural disaster like that and then interest rate environments that we went into. So that was that was pretty interesting. So that, that learning lesson, no one can predict things. What do you think you would do looking back in hindsight, you know, anything different or would you have actually still been gone through the same process? At the time, yeah, like... I guess no one can sort of predict a, a natural disaster like that and they weren't flood affected. So, you know, I'd done all my due diligence and checks. It was uh, more about the, the sentiment around the market and then the interest rate environment. Maybe maybe not instead of getting to it at the same time, maybe, uh, you know, minimising that risk a little bit more and just doing a one and making sure that that was a success. But, but yeah, you know, I, originally I did have both of them under contract with large profits. So yeah, they just pulled out and said we're we're not buying the properties. And uh, at the time, they were still within their their cooling off period. Did you have to put any money into purchasing these properties initially? So oh, in regards to a deposit, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, if there is no risk, there is no reward. Despite this, Freestone decides to sell quickly. While it reduced the risk, it certainly tanked his reward. Contemplating the pros and the cons of his decision, Freestone imparts unforgettable tips to listeners. Yeah, it took about 12 months afterwards. Yeah. So, I sold them right before completion. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. Could you have held on to them? Potentially, you know, <laughs> looking back on it now, I'm like, maybe I should have just held them. But, you know, the world is in chaos and everything is happening and... You know, I was originally wanting to make a, a, a bit more of a splash here in, in Brisbane and buy property up here. But the reason why I ended up uh, buying so much more property down that way was because there was all these border closures um, between New South Wales and Queensland. And um, we just weren't sure what was going to happen. And so, like, a lot of my family's down in Byron Bay, a lot of my property's down that way as well. And... Um, yeah, I just wasn't sure, you know, where I was going to really base myself at the time. And then, yeah, Brisbane announced the Olympic Games and, you know, there's obviously a huge uh, potential for growth up here now. And I think it's a, it's a wise move to, to buy in the inner city up here in Brisbane.
In the next episode of Property Investory, Jack Freestone shares some of his best moments. I'd say one of my first renovations, my first ever property development um, was probably my first aha moment when I I walked away, I think, with around $120,000, you know, after like nine months of work uh, in my pocket. And I was like, well, you know, this beats most nine to five jobs that you can do. He encourages listeners not to follow old traditions and experiment with new formats like Airbnb. The returns on Airbnb were just uh, a lot better. Um, Obviously, you got the insurance with Airbnb, which covers you up to, I think, a million dollars for for damages or or loss of of property. Um, You know, a guest would typically stay for a minimum of two nights and a maximum of five. The stress is the value of a portfolio. For me, personally, growing a portfolio is more for for freedom. you know, I think that's what a lot of people's goal is, is you know, not necessarily to get rich or you know, become wealthy. It's more about being able to do what you want with your time. And that's next time on Property Investory. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.